Hi, welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that truly is a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Julie Webb. I am getting so excited about my running record boot camp. It's everything you need to make the best use of your time, energy, and sanity in order to help your readers grow. Now, if you're like me, I got the most minimal training you've ever seen to do running records my very first year of teaching, and the rest I had to learn on the job while I was doing it with very little support. I was lucky I had a few teachers around me who knew what to do, but they had their own classrooms to run and their own running records to do. And it is just really hard to feel like you're a burden to someone else. And really there's so much to know about running records. It's not just about how to sit down and do them, but if you're not doing the deep analysis part, you're not getting the bang for your buck, right? I mean, it's a time investment to do running records. So I want you to get the most out of them and really truly develop your expertise and make you the best reading teacher that you can be. So I created this online course, Running Record Bootcamp. It's everything that I do when I talk to um, the live trainings that I do with teachers and districts around the United States. And uh, this is the type of work and the type of resource that I really wish that I had early in my career. If I had, I could have catapulted my success as a classroom teacher and as a reading specialist. So this is a course designed for anyone, maybe you're brand new to running records and guided reading, or you really want a refresher, or you just want to make sure that you're on the right track, you know, doing the things you need to do, maybe getting some um, new ideas and different perspectives on those tools. And it's really designed for the elementary classroom teacher, uh, reading specialists, intervention folks, literacy coaches. It's really designed for that crowd. And what's in the in the uh, boot camp are a collection of brief videos that I've packed with really practical information to um, help you, you know, just get the know-how you need and be able to act on it right away in your classrooms. I've got uh, specific handouts for you and some really specific actions to take. Like you actually get to see a running record in action. I model it with my daughter, who's a first grader, and you get to see from start to finish what the teacher's doing, what the student's doing, and how this assessment is similar and different from others that you may be doing in your classroom. So like I said, this is the resource I never had and I dearly wish I'd had. It would have made me a better teacher much sooner and I could have helped even more students to um, really improve and deepen their literacy skills. So if you're at all interested, uh, go to litcentric.com. There's a learn tab there and um, you'll see the little um, you know link there for the running record bootcamp. The course is going to be launching uh, this fall, and um, if you sign up right now, all you're doing is letting me know that you're interested to see when the course um, goes live, and I'll send you an email so that you know when that happens. And um, you can also take a look at uh, the organization of the course. You can see the titles of the different uh, units that we're going to do and the titles of specific lessons um, in each of those. So you get a sense of what we're going to cover and to make sure it's the right uh, the right fit for you. So I hope you'll take a look at that. Litcentric.com. Click on the Learn tab and it'll take you right there. All right. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at summarizing and we're going to use the text Mrs. Morgan's Lawn to help us do that. Now, the reason I love Mrs. Morgan's Lawn is it's a very approachable, but a very fanciful book. The illustrations and ideas in it are really playful and fun, and 
there's some kind of complicated things going on. There's flashbacks, uh, flash forward kind of things going on, some wild imagination, and it's just a lot of fun. Kids really love it, and I'm so grateful that I stumbled upon this book my very first year of teaching a million years ago. (laughs) What I like to use this book for is, believe it or not, introducing summary. Now, sometimes folks, when they uh, introduce summary, they use maybe a really simple text And sometimes, honestly, it can get a little bit boring. And I don't want summary to be boring because my students need to build on the skill of summarizing every time they read on their own, every time, you know, they have to tell me what happened on the playground. They're going to have to summarize that for me. They're going to have to know how to write solid summaries and be able to determine importance and um, move ideas around and really express themselves clearly and to be able to think really clearly. And I don't necessarily always want to use the most simplified text to do that. Sometimes I want to use a text like this that is a little bit more playful and a little bit more fun, um, you know, to experiment with. So the fact that we move back and forth in time in this book, um, it makes it a little more complex, but it really doesn't interfere with the basic plot structure, the events that are happening. So we can actually still get a very concrete summary from this text. So it's a lot of fun, and we're going to take a look at it today. Do you have a question about running records? When I was a classroom teacher, I think I had a new question pop into my head every time I did a running record with students. I used to think, you know, am I analyzing this right? What should I focus on next? How can I keep track of all this information? So if you have some questions like these, I would love to hear them. You can email me at julieweb at litcentric.com and ask me your burning questions about running records. I would love to get the answers for you, the answers that you need right here on the show, and I can include them in my running record boot camp, the online course that opens soon. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's take a look at today's text, Mrs. Morgan's Lawn. Now, before we read, I have to tell you, Mrs. Morgan's Lawn has one of my favorite all-time leads. Um, I just think it's so perfectly written in one sentence. It really sets us up so well in this book. Every time a ball lands on Mrs. Morgan's lawn, she keeps it. So right away, we know a little bit about Mrs. Morgan. We've got a problem set up here, and we're wondering what in the world is going on with this lady, right? So it just piques your interest perfectly. Somewhere inside her house must be a closet full of balls. What could she do with all of them? And this is where kind of the the child's imagination comes in. Mrs. Morgan's dressed up like a witch and she's like creating a, a brew, you know, this giant, you know, and this giant cauldron full of like ball stew that she's creating. Mrs. Morgan doesn't want anything touching her lawn. She waits for leaves to fall so she can catch them before they land. My parents say that's how some people are. I have always loved that book. It's by Barney Salzberg, and it's actually, it was a nominee for the California Young Reader Medal several years ago. So it's a wonderful book if you can find it. And actually, um, if you go to letcentric.com and um, you look for season two, we've got a page for season one on the listen tab, and we've got a page for season two 
for Litcentric Radio. And I always have links to the books there. So if there's ever a book that I share, um, you know, that you're interested in that you don't already have, there's a link right there to Amazon. And um, if you purchase the book there, that kind of helps out the show a little bit. And you get a great book. And I personally recommend all of these books. I handpicked them myself and I love them dearly. And um, they're books that I really think should be on the bookshelf in your classroom. So I hope you'll check that out. So I mentioned earlier that we're going to take a look at uh, summarizing today, and we're going to use Mrs. Morgan's Lawn to help us do that. And I use this book to actually introduce summary to my students. And as I mentioned, I actually like to use a book that's a little more dynamic and has some interesting things happening in it. Um, but what I like about this book is, I mentioned before, even though it's got some imagination and flashbacks and he's, you know, kind of imagining what's going to happen next, and even though it doesn't play out, in, you know, in the story, even though there's all those elements going on that make that book even kind of more rich and engaging, the thread of what's happening, that, that really strong plot thread, is really clear to students throughout the book. And to me, that's what's important to look for when I'm introducing summary or having students practice that so that they can learn to filter out, you know, when he's thinking about her, you know, making a witch's brew, you know, with balls, what is she doing with all those balls? The kids can tell that that's actually not the most important thing to include in the summary. So they start to kind of differentiate and understand um, and prioritize what's important to include and what can be left out. Even if it's an interesting or engaging detail, it doesn't necessarily need to be in the summary. So determining the importance of what should be there and what shouldn't is really why summary is challenging for kids. And so um, books like this can help kids filter out those extra details and focus on really what should be ultimately in that summary. So when we're introducing summary, our basic uh, bridge chart is really me determining ahead of time what the key summary points need to be so that I'm clear in my head. And when I read through with students and coach them through it, they can help me uh, determine what really needs to be there. And we just start with some bullets. And in this case, um, this story ends up with about five bullet points that we use. And I write full sentences um, because I want students, we're going to do kind of a bonus activity um, to write about it, and um, we're going to lift those full sentences as part of our summary. So in this case, this bridge chart is gearing us up for um, kind of the group activity we're going to be doing uh, to create an ultimate summary. And so uh, for this bridge chart, our first bullet usually sounds something like this. Mrs. Morgan keeps all the balls that land on her lawn. Okay, so we know who the character is, we know the, the issue that's happening, and this is definitely something that's the thread throughout the book, right? So that's our, our basic start here. With a summary, I'm not concerned about having a lead or conclusion, really things like that. It's really just the basics of what transpires in the book. Okay? The second bullet might sound something like, um, the boy and his friends kicked his soccer ball onto her lawn. Okay? Uh, then the next might be, uh, the boy asked for his ball back. So again, these are just very basic, bare bones of the book, right? The things that actually happen. Next, we have Mrs. Morgan was sick, so the boy raked her leaves. That's the real turning point in the story, right? So it's important that that's there. And then finally, we say Mrs. Morgan returned all of his balls. So that's our basic summary. And again, I don't even worry about paragraph structure right now uh, because this is the introduction, the first time my students are working on this with me. So we're just using bullet points and basically getting like just the facts, ma'am, right? Getting those down first. Now, 
Um, what I like to do often is kind of a bonus activity, like a next step. And often I'll do this maybe even the next day with students is uh, have groups work on illustrating parts of the summary. So um, I'll give a group of maybe four or five or six students working together. It depends on how big my class is and, and uh, their age level. And um, since I've got five sentences here, I'll break the class up into five groups. And each group, I'll give them kind of a large piece of paper, um, you know, maybe off the chart pad or some butcher paper, or even just sometimes you can do it with a large piece of construction paper. And um, I give students one of the sentences off of the chart. Now you can rewrite the sentence on the bottom of the paper that you give them. You can have them write it. You can, um, either you or students can write it on a, you know, like a sentence strip. You can literally take your uh, bridge chart and get your scissors out and cut the sentences apart and pass them out. And there's lots of ways to do it. It depends on how much time you have and how much um, your students can do independently. But it's important that each group get their own sentence because what they're going to do with that sentence on that big piece of paper is illustrate um, that particular sentence, how it plays out in the book. And because the students read the book with you and hopefully you downloaded the Litcentric lesson, you've done the text pendant questions and explored all of that with them, it is not hard for them to come up with the illustration for that particular sentence. And this is also... Uh, one of the very first group kind of writing activities that I do with students. I like to do group writing where they do a lot of talking and they share the pen and each student has a role in, um, in what gets written and, and how uh, meaning is made. And so this is one of their first chances to do that together in a group. So when I'm giving them um, the instructions of what I want them to do, I will send them off with their group with the sentence from the chart but I don't actually give them the paper or the markers or any of the other materials. And the reason is, is because their first job is to have a discussion with one another about what they think the illustration needs to include, because that's a connection between the illustration and the text, which if you're a primary teacher, you know is an important, important lesson for kids to learn. And uh, then they have to talk as a group about the roles and responsibilities of each person. So. You know, I may have kids say, well, I'm going to check all of the um, word wall words and make sure we spell them right. Another kid might say, well, I'm going to write the first half of the sentence. And then, you know, Joey is going to write the second half of the sentence. Another student might say, I'm going to check to make sure we have all the capital letters right. Another student might say, I'm going to check, make sure we have the period or the spaces or something like that. So I like to make sure each kid has a job. When I come around and if each student can't tell me their job, then I know they need to go back and talk some more. So I'll let them do that. I'll move on to another group. When the group and when each person um, can articulate to me what their job is, then I will give them the materials and tell them they got started. So that way, everybody knows kind of, you know, they're all going to contribute to the drawing. They're going to contribute to the sentence. Um, and also, I ask my students to not only draw the picture, but then add labels to it because um this is since this is the first time we're doing summary, and uh, this is I want to make the activity um, as straightforward and easy for all of us to do together as possible. But I also want to make sure they're writing as much as possible. And if they're only copying a sentence that I gave them, it's not as rich as it could be. So at least if we label, I'm getting them to write in some of their own words. They're labeling what they think is important. And, and then I can see their invented spelling and things like that and uh, make sure everyone's contributing to that too. 
Once their group has completed their picture and they've either written the sentence out or they glued it on or however you know you decided to do that, then as a class, I will collect those and we'll come together on the carpet and literally lay out these big pieces of paper and put them back into the correct order. Because again, with summary, the order really matters. You know, the order you tell something in needs to reflect how it actually played out in real life. And so this is another way that we're we're reinforcing the sequence actually matters. You know, this matters with summary. Let's go through and figure it out. And we literally physically move the papers around and get them in the correct order. Then I like to take them and staple them together into like a giant class book, like a big book. And then we read it together and it actually goes into our class library for students to read over and over again. And they love the activity. Everybody's successful. And I can build off this activity later because I can talk with them about determining importance. I can talk with them about, um, you know, labeling things, making sure everybody has, you know, a job to do, make sure everyone, you know, is communicating effectively, uh, make sure they understand summary has sequence. There's a lot of things embedded in this lesson that we're definitely going to build upon later. So I hope you'll take that idea and try it out. You can do this with any text, uh, really, and, and it can definitely be a nonfiction text as well. Um, but these are some of the building blocks that I want to um, I want to kind of establish as a foundation in my classroom as I work with students the rest of the year. Thank you again for tuning in. I appreciate you coming back week after week. We'll see you next time. Have a great day at school.